1: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And we are absolutely in a thriving mode today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us on the show today. I'm joined by my sidekick, Mr. Benny Mathers. What's up? How's it going, Pat? It's going good.
2: Good, good. You I right? know. You're looking at me? What? I know. Why are you looking at me? Tell me.
1: Go Huskies. <laughs>
2: That's all I'm giving you back. Hey, uh, okay, in your defense, great game. But it was I a good I, game. I, was, I was going for Marquette in my big bracket.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. And they lost my the nail biter
2: and there was a lot the of teams big yesterday. In the sky. I know. So congratulations to the Huskies, they're moving on, which is awesome. Me being a cougar, you know, Pac Ten, we didn't even make it, so I still root for the Pac Ten, but again I'm gonna go with my bracket and I'm all about points and oh,
1: wow, well, there you go. I don't even have a clue about what that is about, but you know, it's okay. kinda cool. This it's right like
3: here.
2: <laughs> This is my bracket. I'm showing you my it, bracket. Oh, oh, oh. And this is oh. what I'm keeping track of.
1: Oh, is this a pool? The, this is like
2: yes,
1: Benny's bracket, uh, yeah. everybody. Yeah, there's my bracket, there's everybody. bracket.
2: So, technically, I had a couple teams yesterday going a little bit further that got beaten. I think a lot of other people did, too. So.
1: Yeah, I do. A couple too. close, uh, yeah. like
2: I said, nail biters and some big teams uh, mm-hmm. actually got upset yesterday and possibly today.
1: Did Villanova win?
2: They did barely, though. That's, That's the thing. Okay. There's a lot of big
1: teams that, you know. It's a little Villanova. Go strong, school. kids. Go strong. Yeah, we're talking about basketball, Well, we talk about a lot of things here. It's my uh, we've pastime. got a great show for you today. You know what I'm inspired about at the in the moment is, I got to spend this morning. I've been on the phone a lot today, but I got to do a show this morning, uh, pre-record, which you're going to actually hear. Uh, and I got to do that show, which kind of got me kind of prepared for today's show with my very special guest. You're going to be hearing about such for me, such an inspirational story and a journey. But a woman that, beyond courage, has an intuitive knowing about her life and what she's preparing. And I'll introduce her in a minute. But this morning, I got to chat with uh, the vice president of um, marketing and communication at Kodak. And You know, Kodak is one of these companies that it's almost as if they've been part of our lives, you know, for as long as some of the other things we, you know, kind of like Chevrolet. Uh, Well, I don't even want to go there. But the point is, what is it about people that has inspired them to bring their passion, to bring their story, to bring their legacy forward? And, you know, my guest this morning, Leslie Dance, who is also one of the judges on the upcoming Celebrity Apprentice, because Kodak plays a huge part in that. But what is it about people like Leslie, people like Shirley, who you're going to hear from today, that brings out the best of the best in people? And aren't these the kind of stories that we really want to hear about? Uh, These days on radio and television and much more. And so part of the conversation today is to talk with Shirley about her life, about her son, about her award winning, uh, about her book Over the Rainbow Bridge. But what is it that we can learn from the spirit of such an extraordinary young man? You know, what is it that that we'll talk about today of how this child's cancer has provided insights on life and afterlife? And what about this incredible child, Corey, whose mom decided to tell his story, her story, a story for so many people? When I think about our lives and what we get called to do, And I had this moment this morning. And what is interesting about Shirley, who I'll introduce formally in a minute. She's actually going to pull our card. About Leslie, who I interviewed earlier, and about myself. One of the things the three of us happen to have in common is the beauty and the land of the islands of Hawaii. And I thought to myself, how coincidental is that? That I get to chat with two amazing women, you know, that come from some ch- such amazing beauty that have had incredible obstacles to move beyond in their lives and have decided to take their message, their story out. And along the way, hello. Help other people. So Shirley Enabrad is joining us here today. She is the author of Over the Rainbow Bridge. It is a story of a young man that will inspire you today to move beyond whatever it is that may be sticking you in the butt to hold you back. Because you're going to hear what a journey looks like, what it feels like, what the inspiration has been like. And you're going to hear about this journey that was taken along with some of the most incredible people in the field of grief and grief work. Some of the people in hospitals that have been in awe, a story that is beyond beauty of rainbow. But what is it that we want to share with you today Well, what we want to share is a little bit of heaven. We want to share a little bit of love and we want to share a lot of living life full out. So Shirley is joining us here today as an award-winning television producer and writer, uh, and the story that we're going to be talk about that we're going to talk about is about her incredible son's journey. But it isn't just about his journey, it's about her journey, it's about all of our journeys it's about what we get to say yes to, and more importantly, what's right in front of us, whether it be obstacle or not. What's right in front of us to say yes to and do? And so we're going to have this chat with Shirley, who I met um, several months ago, who unconditionally talked to me about my vision and dream. And so today it's her turn. Shirley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Now, we gave you the cards. So we have a little ritual on the show. We start the show by pulling a card. And so if you would just pick Mm. a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. That's right. But wait, wait, wait.
2: You got to hear one particular thing before you answer the card.
4: Yep. Go ahead and read that first. I take care of my physical well-being and strive towards balance and serenity. Okay. Now read the back. I think we all needed that card today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your body is the vehicle with which you experience the world. Take care of your health on all levels. You will discover and create more joy and prosperity within and without. Oh, sorry. Within
1: and without. Your health is your greatest wealth. So true. Totally so true. You know, Shirley, I just gave people a snippet of uh, of who you are. First and foremost, you know, you are the author of Over the Rainbow Bridge. And it is a story of uh, your son. Corey, Um, and we're going to talk about that. But I want to start with you a little bit, because I'm always interested in, you know, what is it about the individual that gets to sit down, have the life that, you know, shows up for themselves, and then more importantly, gets to sit down and write a book as beautiful and powerful as this. For you in your life, you know, what was life like for you? What challenges, what obstacles, you know, outside of of what happened with Corey. But what are some of those challenges that you had to overcome to be able to handle the situation with your son and to do the work you're doing? What did you, what, what are some of those things you had to move beyond? Well, it's funny because
4: I have always been a survivor and in my heart and in my mind. And I think that goes back to being born three and a half months early. I was in an incubator for five months. This was, you know, in a County hospital way back when so um and and they didn't have the idea about bonding back then so i was kind of just left alone which was uh interesting because my mom always said you know i have five brothers so she always said oh i wanted a little girl and and i never wanted to be held but i was fiercely independent and always uh spoke my mind and that's uh something that i've sort of guided my life by people always know where i stand because i don't mince words and i don't mess around and i and i'm very clear about who i am and what i stand for so growing up with five brothers was a challenge because i was the uh, the kung fu dummy <laughs> 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 and uh
1: oh, i think i can relate to that a bit <laughs> don't you think yeah so yeah it was
4: always uh, <laughs> people always said oh you must have been really spoiled no I had a really smart mouth and
1: I can run really fast. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, five brothers. I mean, you know, that'll give you that'll give you a little toughness, don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah, that definitely did. And
4: then my dad was a longshoreman, so he was pretty rough and tumble as well. And um you know, we grew up poor like everybody else did back then, <laughs> and I never saw that as a hardship because I didn't know any better. But just um sort of being uh always feeling like an outsider because I was the only girl. You mm-hmm. know, in your little kid mind, I thought, oh, they must really like boys better than girls. Than girls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting how that does play out, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, then your life, you, you know, walked you through television. And let's talk about that because, boy, I'll tell you, all of that training with your brothers certainly had to get you ready for television, don't you think? Absolutely. And I, I sort of went in through the back door for television,
4: but um, again, my boss hired me because he said that I knew how to think on my feet, and um, which also, you know, came from my my background as the only girl. That's all right. But the um, the good part was I had been trained as a private investigator, so I knew how to find people, I knew how to talk to people, and I knew how to do research.
1: Wow, we could have a great, you know. We could have a great show here. It kind of went like with the whole dog
2: the doc, bounty hunter, but don't you think? with the female version. How about, <laughs> how like about the
1: doc and the detective?
2: Ooh, that'd work too.
1: Ooh, that is juicy. D&D combo. There you go. Let's take a short break. When we come back, Shirley Annabroad is going to join us here today. And we're going to be talking about Over the Rainbow Bridge. We're going to be talking about her journey, her son's journey, and what it is about this story that inspires us to become better and better and better each day. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with The Doc and the Detective. think about it. When was the last time you were flabbergasted? Well, that's what I was. The first time I cleaned with this cloth named E-Cloth. On the front of the E-Cloth package, it claimed perfect cleaning with just water and chemical-free cleaning that's awesome on all hard surfaces. I was pretty skeptical, but gave it a try anyway. I started on my kitchen windows, then stovetop, then stove hood, granite counters, and finally the refrigerator. I was totally flabbergasted on how well they we cleaned. These results were accomplished without exposing my family to unknown negatives of household chemicals. Cleaners. The cleaning power comes from fiber function, not a chemical reaction. It cleans better and is healthier, money-saving, and eco-friendly. No chemicals, no paper towels, and e-cloths are reused for years. As a Dr. Patcho listener, you'll get 20% off everything you order and free shipping. Go to ecloth.com, and when checking out, enter Dr. Pat, D-R-P-A-T. That's ecloth.com. E-cloths are for real. See for yourself. I know you'll never go back to cleaning any other way.
5: To claim it all, go to AspireMag.net today. No purchase necessary and live an inspired life. Are you tired of just surviving? Would you like to learn how to thrive? Make 2010 the start of a whole new you. Take charge by enrolling in your own personal boot camp offered by Sharon Roy of Raising Grace Coaching. In just 28 days, you will learn how to rise above your emotions and follow your heart to a life of peace, joy, and purpose. You will tap the power of your own imagination and higher wisdom to create emotional breakthrough strategies that work for you. Start thriving today. Visit RaisingGrace.com or call 401-588-1799.
1: When was the last time you were flabbergasted? Well, I was the first time I cleaned with this cloth named E-Cloth. E-Cloth claims perfect cleaning with just water on all hard surfaces and no chemicals. I started with my windows, then stovetop, and then the refrigerator. I was totally flabbergasted on how well Ecloth cleaned everything. And I did it without exposing my family to potential health-harmful chemical cleaners. Also with Ecloth, there's no paper towels, chemicals to buy, so you'll save money. And they're guaranteed to thoroughly clean for years. As a Dr. Pat Show listener, you'll get 20% off everything you order and free shipping. Go to Ecloth.com, and when checking out, enter Dr. Pat. That's ecloth.com, 20% off everything, free shipping. You'll never go back to cleaning any other way. Sing one. it. Come nope. on. It's all you. Crank it up a little for us. Should have brought my uke in. Once in the love, the <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Brother Is, my goodness. Talk about making a mark on this planet and making a mark through music. Um, wow. Incredible, incredible, incredible work. And amazing individual. And so welcome back, everybody, to the Dr. Pat Show. I just want to mention to everyone, we're going to be giving away five copies of this book over the Rainbow Bridge throughout the show today. So I hope you have our toll-free number, 1-800-930-2819. You know, this is is a story. Shirley uh, has joined us here today. Shirley Annabrad has joined us here today. And it's a conversation that I love to have. And we're going to take a look inside of the life of this young man and the mother, Shirley, that joined him on an extraordinary journey. Shirley, thanks for joining. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Um, You know, before we start on the book, I want to have a conversation. You know, what was it like giving birth to Corey? Oh, wow. Well, I
4: had a really healthy pregnancy, but uh, when it got to the end, he was an emergency cesarean. And pretty scary because uh, I was uh, hemorrhaging. And um, the worst part for me, though, is I'm a gagger. And I... (laughs) The doctor put a... um, throat lozenge in my mouth and I was freaking out that I was going to like suffocate under the mask and stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you had the throat lozenge with the mask yes oh that that is that now that's a Kodak moment (laughs) laying on your back
4: so I I broke I actually broke the arm strap Mm -hmm. the leather strap trying to get my arm free so that Mm -hmm. I could pull the mask off so that part was kind of scary but other than that he was pretty amazing
1: And that's really the conversation. Out comes this amazing child, and you begin your life with him. Um, Never in a million years do you think it's going to turn out the way it turned out, do you? Most people
4: don't, but when I was 10, I had a premonition about it. So I kind of knew, and I wasn't sure which child it would be, but when he stood up on the second day of life and arched his back and then smiled at me, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, he's not supposed to be doing that. So I kind of knew in the back of my mind, but I didn't try to think about it too much.
1: So, you know, let's talk about this story um, and let's talk about Corey. You know, I I read the book and I think after reading it, anyone that's ever read this feels like they've known him and you forever um, all along the way. But let's talk about what it's like to have this, as you call him, the weird kid. Oh, no, I was the weird kid. You were the weird kid. Yeah. But what's interesting is, as I read that, he became, in a sense, sort of your reflection. If you read the book, what you get is this extraordinary child that had to pick some of your, you know, your intuition up to, to actually create sort of the outcome That is clear in the book and who he is and how he went about it. You know, what is it that you reflect upon, which you can, you know, which points to that moment where you found out how really sick he was? Well, we
4: had a couple of scares before he was actually diagnosed. And as soon as we got sent to the hospital, I knew what was going to happen. So I think that sort of took the the element of surprise out of it for me, which most parents have. It was sort of the moment of dread, you know, realizing that, okay, it's starting to happen. Mm -hmm. But um, even when I called my mom, I I didn't want to tell her over the phone. So I I called my brother and said, go tell mom. So she called me and she said, it's happening, isn't it? Because she knew from back when I was 10. But um, I think for most people, when that happens, your world drops out. And mine was sort of half dropped, but I knew that I was going to have to cope because I knew that I was going to end up being a single parent pretty quickly.
1: It's for our listeners. Tell our listeners what uh, the diagnosis was uh, he or was, wasn't at he, first. He was, yeah. yeah, at first they didn't know exactly. for a month. And they
4: finally figured out that it was um, acute lymphoblastic le- leukemia. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it didn't manifest itself in the, the way that it normally does. That's why it took them so long. But my husband at the time wasn't coping And the first thing they tell you after diagnosis is that 85% of marriages don't survive a diagnosis like that. And um, I knew instantly that we were going to be part of that statistic.
1: Whose idea was it to write the book?
4: It was Corey's idea. Before he passed away, he asked me to do it because he didn't want to be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And he thought that he had lots of um, insights and lessons for people to learn from what he went through.
1: So you got to take the journey with sort of a, a master. So so to speak, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So did you know from looking at him at that day that he arched his back that you were going to have your hands full?
4: I knew because I could tell that he was in fast forward. Okay, this is a child that started crawling at three, three three months, I mean. Wow. And nobody does that. No. Yeah,
1: no. So he was kind of on the fast track. You know, what does one then do with her life? Then once you hear a diagnosis like that, I think that many people listening to the show at one point the other or the other has had things like that happen. But then what happens? What do you do? How do you explain that to this young man? Well, that was the difficult
4: part because he didn't feel that bad. And, you know, He's looking at you like, wow, you're letting people hurt me because they were poking him and prodding him and, you know, drawing bone marrow and and taking spinal fluid and stuff like that, which is very painful. Yeah. And he, uh, the first thing he said, he looked at me and goes, are I sick? And I said, yeah, you are. So, you know, I was always very honest with him and talked to him. Not like I would talk to a normal three-year-old because he was very um, advanced. Mm -hmm. But from the get-go, I made a deal with him that I would always be honest no matter what was happening. I also told him that it was his body and that if somebody was doing something to him that he didn't like or didn't understand, that he was to tell them stop Mm -hmm. until they explained it to him.
1: What are some of the lessons that he, and this is now me asking you from his point of view, from Corey's point of view, what were some of the teachings that he wanted to pay forward? What was it he saw in his journey that he wanted to help others with? The biggest message that he had was that people shouldn't fear death. Um,
4: mm-hmm. that that there is an afterlife, that you go to a beautiful place. And interestingly enough, he didn't call it heaven. He called it summerland, where the sun always shines and they never see rain. Def- yep. def- definitely a kid from the Northwest. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he had so many insights, and he actually went out of body for a year and a half before he died mm-hmm. and um, came back with messages for people, for specific people. But when he told me to write the book, he said, Mom, you're supposed to help people. Um, help Elizabeth Kubler-Ross teach people not to be afraid of dying because it's not the end.
1: Well, let's jump right to that. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, man, who doesn't know of her? Um, But let's talk a little bit about how you you came and how he came to be connected with her. There was a
4: social worker at Children's Hospital that had gone to a Kubler-Ross weekend retreat and when she came back she was all excited and uh, she told me about it and I said you know I've always wanted to meet her because I'd read articles uh, that had been written by her and she was somebody that intrigued me because of the work that she was doing and at great cost to her personally because she was ostracized for a long time by her peers just talking to dying patients you know back in the as early as the 60s, they still weren't addressing the end of life for patients. And she chose to do that, and she was very brave about it. So this social worker said, well, you know what? She wants to come to Seattle and do a teaching video at the University of Washington, and she asked me to pick two families. So would you like to be one of the families? Which worked out perfectly because I was a single parent with two kids, and uh, they invited my mom to come. And then the other family was an intact Uh, couple with three kids and it was such a great experience she was wonderful with the kids especially Corey, and they just clicked they became instant friends for life and um just watching from the from the inside i never did see the finished product but just watching while I was well, there. that's
1: interesting, isn't it?
4: Yeah. yeah. But being there, watching how she dealt with the, the kids and the parents was interesting to me.
1: You know, it's really kind of um, amazing what vision Corey had. Because, you know, he knew that this book needed to be written. And he knew that there was something powerful in here. And at the same time, look at the lives interconnect. Elizabeth needed to have Corey's experience and wisdom to really fine-tune, I think, to fine-tune her work. Don't you think, she absolutely uh, said that she took Corey's drawing of the Crystal Castle, and, um,
4: which is something that he did, one for me, one for my mom, and one for her. But she, in one year, it traveled 250,000 miles and helped countless adults who hadn't allowed themselves an emotion for 20, 30 years. Um, it gave them the ability to see that uh, there is an afterlife and there was hope. And she said that they actually cried for the first time in some of them, you know, many, many years.
1: Well, you know, part of this is getting to know you, but getting to know Corey um, and what he stands for. There are pieces that many people can learn from this, especially courage and courage in a creative way. Let me ask you about that. I mean, he from what I read, he's extremely likable and courageous. Uh, How were you and your family able to handle the situation or not? <laughs> well,
4: well, my ex-husband couldn't handle it, but I think uh, in my case, because I knew what I was going to be faced with since I was ten, and then to have this really mm-hmm. brilliant, funny, mm-hmm. exceptional child to go through it with—you know—we sort of uh, supported each other. But he was very courageous. Never once, uh, throughout the five and a half years that he was sick, not once did he say, "Why did this happen to me?" You know, and you hear adults that you know Phew. get the flu whine about it. And he never whined, he never
1: complained. He was truly an amazing child. And we're gonna talk more about Corey when we come back. Uh phone lines are open. One eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. We'd love to give away five copies of the book. Uh so please give us a shout. One eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. If you've got a comment or question for us for Shirley, you can certainly do that as well. The book is over the Rainbow Bridge. When we come back we're gonna be talking about the laughter, the light, and the love this extraordinary story, and what it is that Corey truly wanted each of us to learn. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show.
3: Are you concerned about a specific health issue? Do you want to know what causes it? Are you ready to tap into the inner wisdom of your body and listen to what it is telling you? It's a scientific fact that your health condition, present circumstance, and excess weight are not the result of your diet, exercise regime, or genetic makeup. Your thoughts, feelings, and emotions all directly and specifically influence all your body functions, including heart rate, digestion, and organs. Anger is stored in the liver, resentment is stored in the gallbladder, and lack of support shows up in your back. Our bodies give us clues to how we have been thinking, feeling, and acting. Dr. Kel specializes in interpreting these clues, ignites your inner healer, and guides you step by step to continuous, positive, and lasting health changes. When you change your mind, you change your life. Get in your driver's seat today. Visit askdrkel.com. That's l.com.
5: Do your emotions stop you from experiencing lasting prosperity and joy? Learn to rise above your emotional ceiling with expert guidance from certified life coach Sharon Roy. Sharon's techniques have helped clients worldwide to succeed happily, and now she wants to share this gift with you. For a limited time, Sharon is offering a free 45-minute emotional breakthrough session that could change your life. Call 401-588-1799. That's 401-588-1799. Or visit SucceedHappily.com to claim your free session. That's SucceedHappily.com.
0: Have you ever wanted more for yourself or your family? Are you prepared to take your life to the next level? Have you ever had that feeling or heard that little voice telling you that you can be so much more? Let Empowerment Psychic Linda Dickinson help you to embrace your own power. Visit Linda at InMyFuture.com or call 800 206 9096 for your private session and start living your life to the max. Be sure to listen to Linda Dickinson on The Dr. Pat Show and call in to connect with your guides. Bella Spark Productions presents the second speaker event in the Extraordinary People Lecture Series. Spend an evening with Bishop Carlton Pearson, one of the most articulate, dynamic, and controversial spiritual leaders of our time. The heir apparent to a new way of thinking. In this inspiring lecture, Carlton will share his story of his own conversation with God. A conversation that has changed his beliefs and his message. Bishop Pearson had an epiphany that changed his way of thinking and preaching from one of hell and damnation to one of love and inclusion with the same passion, energy, and gift for communication that made him a fiery lecturer. His message will lift you up and inspire. Join Bishop Carlton Pearson in Seattle Friday, March 26th at 7 p.m., followed by Robert Holden, the Happiness Guru, on April 30th, and Shirley McLean on June 13th. Visit bellaspark.com for information and registration. That's bellaspark.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. For more information about us, go to www.drpatlive.com. That's drpatlive.com. Shirley is joining us here today. Shirley Annabred is joining us here today. The book is Over the Rainbow Bridge, but this is more than a book. It's a story. It's a journey. And she wants to share five copies of the book with you. You know how to do that. We have a toll-free number. Benny is right on it, 1-800-930-2819, 1-800-930-2819. The book is really uh, a story that Corey, her son, asked her to write. And it is called Over the Rainbow Bridge, and you're going to find out why in a minute. Shirley, again, thank you for joining us here today. I mean, can you give us a website so people can find out more about the book? It's overtherainbowbridge.info great. So you said Corey had a sense of humor and was kind of a a fun child. But I I think we need to point out to our listeners that, you know, this was this started at age three. And his transition happened at age nine. So this was, you know, two thirds of his life, pretty much five and a half years. Yeah. And that's a journey. And so, you know, you smile when you think about This youngster and how how fun and joyful he was. He must have lit up the hospital rooms. He was funny. There was a doctor that
4: when he was first diagnosed, that said he couldn't believe that his hemoglobin count was so low. They'd never seen anybody with a hemoglobin count of two and a hematocrit of eight. Should have been forty and twelve. And so he said, "What does this kid do when he's well? Fly?" Because he was just zipping down the hallway on a tricycle holding his IV pole, you know, and um, never, never looked back. So he was full of, full of uh, life and full of humor. He was a very funny child and um, a little bit of a smartass, but he came, came by that honestly.
1: uh what did they say about the apple yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's why when i referred to the weird kid i really was talking about him even though it was written about you because i mean it's not that he was weird but he had extraordinary insight he did extraordinary insight so you know what do you think is probably kind of uh one of the funniest times you can think about One of the funniest stories
4: I have, um, I had a secretary receptionist uh, named Marlise. And uh, I walked into work one day, and she had two tissues hanging out of each nostril because she had a bad cold. Beautiful girl. She should have been a model. <laughs> and I walked in and I went, you you can't sit out here like this. Come in my office. So I put her in an office where she could still see the door to let people, buzz people in, but um, they couldn't see her. So I went home and I was telling uh, my friend about it and my son was there listening. Well, the next time he saw Marlise, unfortunately it was in a restaurant, he stuck, Napkins up his nose and said, "Hey, Marlies, does this remind you of anything?" And he started flicking his head back and forth. So he was kind of a smart aleck.
1: Well, you know, and really, it is that kind of sense of humor that brought you here to write this book. I mean, this is an extraordinary child with a message that all of us can, you know, can really learn from. What were some of the darkest moments that you can remember um, with him? I think really the worst moment ever
4: was uh, right after diagnosis. I asked the doc, the pediatrician, well, actually, it was before he was diagnosed, but when they figured out that his counts were so bad, um, you know, what's the worst case scenario? Because he, he only had one fifth of the red blood cells coursing through his body to carry the oxygen. And he said, well, he could have a heart attack because I don't know how long he's been this anemic and um and that actually happened that night in the middle of the night before they brought the blood for the transfusion so that was dark and and then i also knew when they started talking about statistics that they weren't going to be in our favor other than that you know he always lifted me up because he was so funny and mm. um and with leukemia they they are actually pretty healthy and they look pretty healthy until the end and then it's like falling off a cliff
1: mm. Well, you know, and uh, I mean, I don't know if this is part of the, the you know, what happens. A lot of parents these days like their children in on all these conversations. You know, what did he think of his medical treatment? What did he What did he think of the doctors in the hospital? <laughs> I'm always curious to see if he was on the same page I'm on.
4: Well, he actually said one time that if he was got to be uh, a grown-up, uh-huh. that if he was going to write a book called Excuse Me, Doctor, But You're Making Me Sick. <laughs> and so... And the other funny thing is... <laughs> That's got to be a follow-up to this one. Yeah. yeah, He used to actually, when he vomited, he would aim at the doctor's shoes. He'd like heave over the side and actually try to get their shoes. Good. What was so. his
1: uh, track record on that? Just curious. <laughs> I think we're going to have a few people trying that out now know. here. Yeah. He
4: nailed a few of them. He did, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he was uh, very well known there. And most of the time they, they got along well.
1: Did he ever intuitively understand or know? And I know you allude to this in different places in the book, but did he ever allude to the fact that he knew better than what was happening to him or how he was being treated? You know what I'm saying? There is a sense of knowing I get from him. Absolutely. You know, that's why I said to him, you and he, you kind of on the same page metaphysically. <laughs> yeah, right?" absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, he, um,
4: he started having out-of-body experiences, yeah. and he knew that he was going to pass. And he said, you know, Mom, um, when the time comes to make them stop, I want you to make them stop. Because he was sick of the chemotherapy. The doctors. Yeah. yeah, He was sick of the chemotherapy. And, you know, with leukemia, there are three-year protocols. And he relapsed every time while he was still on medication. So he knew. And he was smart enough to, to recognize that the quality of your life is is more important than The length of your life.
1: Mm -hmm. And he really trusted you to make the right decision. He trusted me to support his
4: decision. Mm-hmm. It was really his, which was the thing that flummoxed the doctors at the hospital because they're saying you can't let a little kid make this decision to stop That's got That
1: had to be probably so emotionally conflicting for you because in the medical system, you know, y- you probably came close to having them take this kid and put him in child services, in, in a sense. They threatened. Exactly, yeah. right? Especially back then. Because you, you actually said to them,
4: He's going to make the decision, right? Right. And they said they were going to take me to court. And I said, bring it on. And I just saw his hospice nurse a couple weeks ago for the first time in 20 years. And she said that I was way ahead of my time as far as letting him make that decision.
1: Mm. And, you know... How did he respond to that, especially, you know, in the closeness you had with Elizabeth? I mean, I could see all of you kind of there as being so far out of the box with this, really, when you think about it. This was what, in 83, 84? 84. 84. This had to be so out of the box in terms of your treatment with your son, her beliefs in grieving, and then this amazing child who was completely empowered. Exactly.
4: He you know, he felt so supported by both of us. And he knew that um, the first time he asked, I said no, because I wasn't there. I wasn't ready to support him. Then we met Elizabeth. And after talking to her about it, I felt really selfish that I hadn't supported him. So then he he decided again a year after that. And his dad and his doctor talked him out of it. And then after that last relapse, he said, Mom, you got to make him stop. So,
1: Mm. you know, Elizabeth talks about what she's learned and what she learned from Corey. And I want to ask you about that. Um, Most of us know her from her work in the stages of grief, of course. And you have to feel some sense of honor and, you know, and Corey as well to have contributed to that. What was that like to know that she was writing or or she was uh, part of identifying stages that would ultimately lead to your son's death well then the, the
4: thing about elizabeth's stages was and people mix that up today yeah. is hers were designed for people like cory it, exactly. it was for dying patients not for people grieving after
1: the loss of someone we took some some we took some freedom creative freedom with those stages honestly Really, and and a lot of times, you know, you hear people now
4: criticize her for those, and she's not the one that took it out of context. Right. It's other people, right. but she um, she really helped me see that you know he needed to be supported, and mm-hmm. and even though it was um, you know kind of a horrifying thought for me, I knew that it was it was about him and his journey, not mine. Mm. So I had to be. I had to back him up when he made that decision, even though nobody else wanted to support him.
1: Mm. I want to make sure that all of you know uh, Over the Rainbow Bridge is the name of the book, and we're going to talk about the title of the book in a minute. Benny is get, picking up your calls. We're giving copies away. He's really on it. one eight hundred nine 930 Let's talk about the Rainbow Bridge. Let's talk about the title of the book. Did he have any say in that? Absolutely.
4: When he started going out of body um, when he was seven, he said that the way that he got to heaven was over a rainbow bridge. Oh, wow. He said, when you see a, a rainbow in the sky, it's really the side view of the bridge from here to heaven. And um, when he got there, he saw the crystal castle where he said God lives. And, um, and then there's smaller cottages and smaller castles where the peons like us live. He actually used the word peons at <laughs> seven. <laughs> but he saw people. He saw loved ones that he never even knew, or and he came back with messages from people um, to give to people that that he were friends of my mom's mm-hmm. or friends of mine. You know, my. Um,
1: and did he give that? To, did did he bring back the messages and give them directly, or did they come to
4: to you and then you gave them? He gave them to me, okay. and then um, he. So gave, you became the keeper. Uh, yeah, I was sort of the conduit. You're the keeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because he knew that I wouldn't poo-poo him, you know. If he told anybody else, they'd go, yeah, whatever, it's the And you drugs. wouldn't change him up. Yeah. Well, and people said, you know, maybe it was the disease talking, or maybe it was the medication. Well, how
1: did you respond to that? Because, I mean, you know what that's like? Yeah, you know, you know what? That's it's kind of like somebody. This I remember when I remember when a, you know someone close to me died, and someone said to me, "You know that everything happens for a reason." I want to just slam them. <laughs> yeah, <I've, laughs> yeah, you know, save that for Sunday service, but. Well, how did you respond to that?
4: Well, that's when I showed myself as the longshoreman's daughter.
1: <laughs> that's the next title Bam! of my next book. <laughs> Good job. When we come back, we're going to be talking about this extraordinary journey, the messages, and what these messages meant to Shirley, meant to the people that got them, and what this young individual wants all of us to know about life and beyond. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive. by the Are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Do you have excess weight you can't seem to lose? Have you been living at less than your optimal health? Your body gives you powerful information on how you've been living in your mind. Dr. Kell specializes in revealing the underlying mental and emotional causes of disease and works with you to ignite your inner healer, create continuous positive change, and heal your body. Ready to uncover the roadblocks to your health and healing? Visit her website at AskDrKell.com. That's A-S-K-D-R-K-E-L.
5: true wellness begins is today a good day to apply for a job or to ask
2: for that promotion well the good timing guide uses astrology to identify the best times for many daily work activities it provides easy to read color codes for daily access show host madeline gerwick is offering a special pre-order price on her 2011 good timing guide and or her newsletters now through april 5th save up to 20 percent by pre-ordering next year's guide have the wind at your back with our best deal all year. To save today, go to askmadeline.com. That's A-S-K-M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E dot com. Or call us toll-free at 877-524-8300. That number again is 877-524-8300. Remember, pre-order savings for your 2011 Good Timing Guide and our newsletters are only good through April 5th. So act now. Visit askmadeline.com or 877 877- 5248300
3: Did you know Greek yogurt is a good source of protein? Each serving of Greek yogurt provides 5 grams of protein. When you consume Greek yogurt 3 times a day, you're getting more than 20% of the daily recommended protein value. That's great news. So don't forget to pack a Greek yogurt for lunch today. For more information, visit greekayogurt.com. And Analuke.com.
2: The Institute of Integral Qigong and Tai Chi is now enrolling its spring trainings. Visit the event calendar at iiqtc.org. The iiqtc is one of the most respected training and research centers for qigong and tai chi outside China. The iiqtc's trainings are like personal retreats and are often life-transforming. Visit beautiful Santa Barbara, California this March 15th through the 20th or Austin, Texas for Level 1 teacher training April 29th through May 6th. Enroll now at iiqtc.org. I see
5: skies of blue and I see clouds of white and the brightness of deep I like the
0: dark and the A wonderful. World.
1: I love that. It's good. It makes me want to go home and crack out my ukulele. Should I bring my uke in maybe one of these days, Benny? I've
2: been waiting for you too. Do you two. think I
1: should? Do sure. you play? No. Okay.
2: Fortunately, that's Do your want me department. To teach you?
1: Huh? Do you want me to teach you? We Possibly. could do like an on air, especially like when we have a guest that doesn't show up. I could <laughs> remix could that. it. We could remix it. Absolutely. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Over the Rainbow Bridge. The author is Shirley and Abroad. And basically, what I want to say about this is Shirley is Corey's mom. And this is a book that he asked her to write. And this is a story that weaves the journeys of several people together. Many people were not able to talk about that are addressed in the book. I mean, there's so much in here. This is such a beautiful, beautiful book. You know, it will take you on the journey of your life, and we want to make sure you have that information. Over the Rainbow is the website, and you could certainly buy this book there. Um, we've given copies away. Shirley, thanks for joining us here today. I mean, you know, I read on on and on and on of what people have said about the book. Uh, and there are a lot of things we're not talking about. We just can't possibly get to everything uh, here. But we are talking about this young man who had an experience with um, the afterlife, before the afterlife, whatever one wants to call it. Was he at peace with all of this? And what did you learn from him about your own um your own, how should I say it, your own reflection of what death means to you? He was definitely at peace
4: uh, after going out of body. Mm -hmm. And um, the first time he did, my grandfather was on the bridge waiting for him. And he came back and he said, okay, everybody's not, nobody's supposed to worry because grandpa's going to take care of me. He said, he loves me even though I wasn't born yet when he was alive. So that made me feel- He knew it was grandpa? Yeah, he knew it was my grandpa. Wow. Yeah, and our dog was there. Um, our dog that had been put down the year before was there wagging his tail and waiting for him. Mm. And he he did this for a year and a half. He got to where he could do it at will. So he was definitely prepared, and he knew that he was going to be in a better place, you know, where there's no pain and um, and no rain. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> no pain, no rain. That's Now that's a book title. Yeah. So it definitely did help me. And it completely solidified all my beliefs that I
1: had had before that about what happens to you when you die. Mm. So you know, let's talk about this for a minute. So here we have a year and a half where, at will, Corey is able to, you know, let's just call it in and out for now, you know, because <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't know what to call it. Do you think that the timing of him staying here? Because honestly. At any moment, he was vulnerable to leave. Do you think the timing and the reason that he was meant to stay here was to make sure that this message or his message or the message through you was made really clear?
4: Absolutely. And I think that he chose to stay longer um, because he he actually enjoyed being here, even though he didn't feel so hot. But towards the end, he decided, you know, uh, it's time to go. How did he say that to you, Shirley? Well, the last time that he insisted that we stop treatment, he said, you know, I've been sick for five years, almost five and a half years, and I've stayed on treatment for everybody else, and now I want to quit for me because I want some good time before I go.
1: Mm. What did that mean to him, good time before I go? That meant that um, without the chemotherapy
4: and the toxicity of the drugs um, making him sicker, he got to where he had no good time in between treatments. Yep. You know, some people get treatment and they're sick for a couple of days and then they have a week and a half of good. Well, it started running together and he didn't, he couldn't cope with that anymore.
1: So can we kind of jump to these, these last months or these, you know, this last time with you and what that was like for you and he to share those moments and those times together? You know, people think I'm
4: crazy when I say it, but his death was as much of an adventure as his birth. And, um... All you need to do is read the book to figure that out. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. We we spent almost all of our time together at the end, except for when um, people would come to visit. We had so many in-depth conversations about, you know, life, death, reincarnation, um, war, child abuse. And um, he really believed that he could choose to come back whether he wanted to or not. And so that was another thing that people don't talk about. But, you know, at one point that was um, identified in the Catholic Bibles. I mean, they actually recognized that and believed in it. That, that was all removed in the Second Vatican Council. So I don't think it's that unusual, but some people think that that's kind of out there. And he just said, you know what, this is my journey, and I want you to tell it the way it happened. And, you know, it's not like we're trying to convert anybody. We're just trying to tell his story.
1: Yeah, it's like he could go off and have a heavenly makeover, so to speak, and come (laughs) back. Come back as, wow, could be Donald Trump. Um, But this time with him uh, off of the drugs and the medication, um, what was that like for you? It was very scary Mm.
4: because um, he actually started having relapse symptoms not long after we won the battle at the hospital. And so when he did start having uh, blurred vision and headaches, when I called them, to talk to them about it, they sort of said, well, too bad. You know, you chose to let him go off treatment. What do you expect? And I said, well, I expect you to help me with pain management if that is the case. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't want any more chemotherapy to try to prolong his life, but he shouldn't have had to suffer either. So that part was pretty scary. Um, I actually had to go through six different people t- before we got the proper medication.
1: You know, you as a mother you took this courageous journey with him, and for me... I think about what you stand for and empowering our young people to be truly, authentically who they are. And after Corey's passing, after his transition, he still wasn't done with you, was he? Oh, no.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he told me that my mission was to, his mission was to put me on my path to help people not be afraid of death and to help other uh, moms, especially. So, um, you know, I started support groups. I'm the president of a nonprofit that helps kids with cancer. It's called Candlelighters Childhood Cancer Foundation of Western Washington. I lobbied um, our state's uh, federal lawmakers in Washington, D.C. for five years until we got a bill passed that uh, it wasn't even asking for money. It was just to create awareness about childhood cancer so that we could ask for money. And, um, and then writing the book was a uh, huge So it took me about six months, and people always ask why it took me so long to write it. It was very cathartic, Mm -hmm. but um, the ending wasn't there. I had to wait for the ending to happen.
1: When you think about sort of the new beginning, and this is really a book about endings and, of course, new beginnings. um, I never got the sense of an ending, even though I knew the ending because I know you. um, There was so much in this book that were about new beginnings, And I want to ask you, what is the personal message? What do you want to leave us with today that is in the spirit of new beginnings? Because we are right now in our society, things are being ripped away, being pulled away. There is death happening all around us in a very different way. What will Corey be able to teach us in all of
4: that? Well, I got a fan letter from a woman that we didn't know, and she said that reading the book changed her life and that she's kinder to her husband. She doesn't flip out on the freeway anymore and that she thinks about what she uh, is doing with intention and um, and has decided to be a better person and to help people. And I think that was the main thing for Corey was to live your life the best way you can, no matter how much time you're given.
1: I love this, as uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross has said in the book, and certainly it's covered here. Um, you know, she says that you know, beyond Corey being, you know, favorite favorite uh, client, but she talks about the fact that he taught her more than she could ever teach him. That's true. Don't you think we could all learn from Corey how to make this world a better place? That's it. That's, that was his message. That's why he came. Wow. Thank you, Shirley. Let's give out that website one more time. And how can we support you and the foundation along the way?
4: Well, uh, the candlelighters is always in need, and um, more kids are getting sick, and they're coming in sicker, and yeah. more kids are dying, and families are being torn apart just like mine was so we do need help in that respect and uh, candlelighters has a website as well it's candlelighterswa.org and my website is overtherainbowbridge.info
1: thank you shirley for joining us uh today on the show Thank you. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And again, you can uh, get a copy of the book, Over the Rainbow Bridge, just about anywhere, I believe. And you will get to experience what all of us that have read the book experience. As a matter of fact, I have to go back and read it again because there were so many things that I read by. And there's so many things we didn't talk about. It is so incredibly empowering. Powerful and inspirational. Until next time, remember that you too have a message to give in this world. Don't let anyone take your voice away from you and don't stop because of anything that you may think is an obstacle that's holding you back. If Corey can do it, if Shirley can do it, we can do it. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show.